Hello and welcome to Forever Young Adult, a podcast where I, Aoife, and I, Kira, read and discuss young adult fiction, because we love us. How was your August, Kira? My August was fantastic. We are now allowed to require masks in the library, which is awesome because we're living in a global pandemic ongoing. And there was a big storm and uh, lots of trees fell everywhere, but not where I am. So it's okay. Mm. That was August. That's good. Yeah, I've got an avocado tree that's doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. It's about 10 inches tall at this point. And I've got... Two other ones that are a little bit smaller, but I'm hoping might germinate before winter comes. So I'm doing well. I'm trying to think what else I'm doing. Oh, yeah, I'm starting a master's. Um, but mostly I've been making some bread and doing well. You've you've been reading at least one book. I yeah, I'm reading a couple of books at the moment. I reread Tuesdays. Um, it's just as fantastic. The second time I shocked everyone by telling them that I've been going on about this book for nearly two years now and had only read it once yeah no it's just as good the second time round. oh i should really read tuesdays sometime soon because i've also been going on about it for two years but i haven't read it also i'm going through a very goth phase right now you guys can't see my video but as i'm skyping kira here i'm wearing kind of a wednesday adams t-shirt i repotted a bunch of my makeup into little glass and fancy containers i've been watching a lot of vampire movies i'm doing great actually this morning i was thinking very nostalgically about never bite a boy out of first date and what was that Anna one? The one I did for Halloween last year. Red dress. The woman in the... Anna in the red dress or something. Yeah. Uh, two very good goth books that we read. Currently I'm reading The House of Leaves, which mm. isn't a YA book, but is so very spooky that I can't read it before bed. Or if I do read it before bed, I need to ask my partner to hold my hand while I read it. <laughs> You are so soft. You're such a soft goth. I'm a very soft goth. It's a very creepy book. It's about a house and how spaces can unravel your perception of yourself and of reality. So it's it's bad. It's great. Oh my god. I love this. Tell me about your not goth book though. <laughs> so my not goth book. So basically I read the falling in love montage over the last couple of weeks. I was supposed to do this book in July, but due to COVID-19, I literally could not get my hands on this book because I ordered it from a bookshop, support your local bookshops, and they could not get it over from England. And I was like, please, it's an Irish author. Why do you not have a copy? But they got it for me eventually. And that, and then we decided to go on hiatus. Yeah. So now September, you all get to hear about the summer of fun love. And it was, this book was missold to me. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Kira Smith is the author and she's Irish. She's from... So the author, Kira Smith, is from the Republic mm-hmm. of Ireland and she's from Monaghan, but she is currently living in the north. She's living in Belfast. And so this book is set in... Honestly, I was trying to figure out where it was set because I don't think that it's actually set in Monaghan, but it is set in a border county. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe... She's about an hour from Dublin, based on mm-hmm. like where geographical where she, cues like geographical cl- clues so i think maybe loud or meads but maybe monaghan is a long hour i don't think so though maybe on the train yeah i'd say you could get to monaghan from monaghan to dublin in an hour definitely if you're getting like a bus it'd be mm. loud 
yeah, so yeah that works to me that's um, that's kind of where where we're setting it in ireland mm-hmm. um which was really cool because like on the very first page there is like this whole thing about shifting and i loved oh. that because I just, definition of shifting yeah I'm just thinking like this is something that I knew I knew it was important to have own voices books and I knew this from like being a queer person who wants to read about queer people but also I did not know how much I needed to read books by Irish people set in Ireland kind of until I read this book even though I have been reading a number of those like um we mm-hmm. had Kethan Leahy's, which is set in Cork. We had oh, Deirdre oh, O'Sullivan. What did Kethan Leahy write? He wrote Tuesdays. We had Kethan. Oh, had- what's the full title of that book, Kira? People wrote- might know. He wrote Tuesdays Are Just As Bad by Kethan Leahy. Is it a good book? It is a good book. Fuck off. Wait, are you um, telling me Kethan Leahy wrote Tuesdays Are Just As Bad by Kethan Leahy? We are the worst. <laughs> we are the worst. Um, I read uh, Prevent, not Preventable Deaths. Um, perfectly preventable deaths. perfectly preventable deaths by dear sullivan that was also set in ireland in kind of like more vague than this one as to the location but also ireland it was galway ish yeah galway-esque uh that region your area um, how dare you <laughs> i'm from the northwest galway's in the west i'm oh. from a border county that is also in the west it Top- is different Toberonurum, my bad. Yeah. Um, but it was just really good to have someone talking about the leaving cert, mm-hmm. the stress of the exams, like the context of the leaving cert within a book was great as opposed to like GCSEs or A-levels. Or some American nonsense that we don't even remember the names for. What even are SATs? It was fantastic to have her, she's planning for the book is planning to go to uh, Oxford. So she had to do the UCAS system. So there's oh a lot God. of talk of that, which is cool. But for the most part, we don't really focus on a lot of those things because it's the summer. The exams are over. We're just going to have some fun time. And okay. now I'm going to tell you all the reasons why I think, Aoife, you should read this book. Um, So Falling in Love Montage was, it lied to me. Is what I'm going to tell you first of all, because yeah. uh, Kira Smith promised me a really fun, really funny uh, summer love story with two girls who are just going to like, and they already know that they like girls. There's no discovering you like girls. It's all just being like, I'm a girl who likes girls, and I'm going to go shift other girls. It's great, um, but she was like, it's just a fun romp, you know, and it's not. This book has very serious topics in it and I loved it and I also cried twice so there you go it's a lie but it is also hilarious I laughed constantly unfortunately queer characters just do that I think because my partner and I were watching Atla Avatar The Last Airbender recently and there was like a city that had been founded by two star-crossed lovers who like went through the mountains to find each other because they were earthbenders. And I was like, this sucks. I hate this love story. I've decided one of them is trans. And then I got really emotionally invested. And then, spoiler alert, the city that is founded in honor of their love burns. And I nearly cried because that was now a queer love city. And not just, just you know, two people who like each other. <laughs> like, um. 
But anyway, I understand why you would cry reading a book with two girls who like girls and heavy themes. So Shirsha is our like point of view character for the book. And she's fantastic, but she has a lot going on at home. So her mom is like mid 50s and has been diagnosed with early onset dementia. Mm-hmm. And in the year previous to the book, has been removed from the family home and put into full-time nursing care, which Saoirse mm-hmm. has a lot of feelings about and very few of them being positive. She was doing her leaving cert when this was happening as well. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. And that was kind of part of the reason why her mom was moved into residential care is because Saoirse went back to... Like, they were managing over the summer previous, but then Saoirse went back to school and there wasn't enough carers in and out of the house. Her mom just really wanted to leave the house all the time. At one point, there is an incident where... We're told in backstory that like her mom between carers left the house and wasn't found for like eight hours afterwards. And it was just a very scary time for her and her dad and for her mom, obviously. But so Sirsha is dealing with that issue and she's also dealing with the breakup of a previous relationship with a girl called Hannah. Mm-hmm. And so when we meet Sirsha, she has decided that love exists but isn't worth this. Okay. Um, because it because my parents have gotten divorced and I'm break. I've broken up. Sorry, did you not mention the divorce yet? You know her. Her parents have divorced. They divorced for financial reasons, mm-hmm. is what they told Sirsha. Um, partly it's complicated, but it's basically so that they could pay for the nursing home without losing the house. Essentially, how with it is her mom. Her mom is not with it at all. Okay, so Um, her mom didn't really make a decision to get divorced. I believe that at the time when they made that decision, she was with us enough to like understand what was happening. But at this point in the book, no. Okay, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, She rarely recognizes Saoirse when she visits and often thinks that she is her sister. Okay. Saoirse's sister or the mother's sister? The mother's sister. Saoirse is an only child. She's very lonely. Tough. Tough. Very tough. Um, So love doesn't exist because my mom's No, love does exist, but it's not worth it because it always ends. And people people don't fulfill their promises to each other because her and Hannah had been dating for a very long time. They got together in their like mid-teens. So they've been together about three years maybe when they break up. That's really long. Yeah, and they had been friends before that. And due to her breakup with Hannah, they she has also lost her primary friend group because Mm. she was also friends with Izzy and the three of them were friends. And then Hannah and Saoirse were dating and they were all friends. But when they broke up, Izzy had known before Hannah had broken up with Saoirse that she intended on breaking up with her and so Han- so our girl Saoirse is like you didn't care about me enough to tell me that this was happening and so you betrayed me and therefore we are no longer friends and there's this like common thing that we talk about a lot in young adult books where 
where young people don't realize that other people have stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And Saoirse doesn't really have that. Like she isn't like constantly learning that other people are people so as much as she is actively ignoring that other people are people. Okay, so she's like... Because of course Izzy here was put in a difficult situation because she has two friends and one of them confided something to her but it was relevant to the other friend. It's It was a difficult situation she was in and I don't think she made a morally bad choice but when you're 17 and hurt because your oldest friend well definitely your girlfriend and a very good friend have conspired against you to ruin your life when your mom's already sick that sucks yeah and because early onset dementia is hereditary there's also this fun thing where Saoirse is like I what's also what is even the point of love and making memories because I'm just gonna forget everything anyway Mm. So she has a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so. we, learn, we learn a lot of this context for like her as the book goes on, but she already knows all this context. So it makes total sense to her when she decides, since Hannah doesn't love her anymore and she is still kind of like broken up about this end of this relationship, she has decided that there is no issue with like shifting girls and like having a good time when you're drunk at parties and stuff as long as you don't do feelings Mm -hmm. and one of the ways that and so she has written a lot of rules for herself about how to do this Mm -hmm. um but she breaks them because she meets this girl called ruby who is over from the uk and she meets them it's a very brit name it is a brit name i love ruby she has an english accent um and it's really funny because at certain points she does an English accent and Saoirse's just like, you do, what are you doing? This is, why are you doing that? <laughs> you have you have an English accent. Why are you doing a fake English accent? Mm. Ruby is great. She sounds great. I haven't told you anything about her. Well, she does an English accent. <laughs> she's English. Also, her name's Ruby and one of my little cousins is called Ruby. And I'm wondering whether to admit in public that she's one of my favorite little cousins. Oh my God. How many of them listen to the pod? Hopefully none. <laughs> Maybe some. If Honestly, hey, if you're my first cousin and you're listening to this, let me know. You'll immediately be my favorite cousin. It's a very easy fix. So Ruby, she meets Ruby and there's some hijinks with trying to rescue a cat, which mm-hmm. Sirsha assumes due to having consumed most of a stolen bottle of vodka that is Ruby's cat. But once they rescue it, it turns out that that cat didn't need rescuing at all and was just like hanging out under the bush in the garden in which they live. Both of them are drunk for this interaction, I presume? No, Ruby's totally sober. But she just wants to rescue a cat. She's just concerned that the cat is stuck in the bush Mm -hmm. and so is like, we should rescue them. In case. Yeah. Um, but then it turns out that the cat was perfectly fine. And then the person who owns that house shouts at them and tells them to go away. <laughs> Why are you in my garden? Kids these days. Kidnapping my cat. <laughs> Back in my day, no one kidnapped my cat. Um, so they get to Shifton. Mm-hmm. And 
It turns out that Ruby is like super romantic, super into rom-coms, really loves them. And Saoirse shares that she has no interest in starting a relationship or being involved with someone because relationships always end. Mm -hmm. And Ruby is like, well, I'm only over for the summer because she's staying with her cousins. Mm -hmm. Solid basis for a romance. Yeah, I'm only here for the summer. So we already have the end date. So, like, we can't set ourselves up for failure because we've got the end date already set. So why don't we just, like, mess around for the summer, have a good time? And they decide that they will do that and that one of the things that they will do is because Ruby is super into rom-coms, they're going to recreate in their own way a number of, like, the scenes that you see in a rom-com falling in love montage hence the name of the book can i interrupt you for a moment here yes because my main reaction to this so far is just oh that's really sweet but you have previously said that this book was missold to you as a fun falling in love summer romp which actually has a bunch of dark shit in it and difficult things whereas it's so sweet and cute that these people, like one of whom is has a tough situation happening, um, just come out of a very stressful year, has had a breakup, her mom's sick, it's difficult. And she's like, I've decided to have this one nice thing and we're going to do this one nice thing. But I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. No, um, her and Ruby have this one nice thing. Sersha goes home and is like, yes, this is a loophole to my former no dating rules, but I'm going to put new rules in on top of this one. She really loves rules. Is this like a first person point of view? And is there like a diary-ish thing? How do you see the rules? Does she tell you about them? She just inputs them into the, these are the rules. Okay. Um, it's not a diary. It's a first person Um but you also get, there's this bit where she's texting someone and you just get like the fo- the text interaction. You don't get any, yeah. like, this is what okay. I said, this is what they said. So it's like. Yeah, pretty good. It, um, so you just get the conversation. So like, it's different throughout when she makes the, the list of rules, you just got the list of rules. And then she gives a bit of context to them as to like why she made those rules and stuff. But it's mostly just her like stream of consciousness thoughts about the rules nearly Mm -hmm. but in like a readable format because if someone just wrote down my stream of consciousness no one would be able to read us yeah that's the conceit of storytelling (laughs) add filters to that shit so she adds a couple of rules to to their dating and the big one but and also she doesn't this is the thing she doesn't share the rules with ruby ruby is new to town doesn't have like the context of what's going on with Saoirse and her mother doesn't like know her backstory as it were through like con like cultural there yeah yeah and her cousin Oliver whose family she is staying with has like reassured both girls that he is going to keep their confidences because Ruby Mm -hmm. also has stuff going on at home Mm -hmm. um and when Sirsha tries to like find out what that is from Oliver. He's like, you should talk to Ruby. Um, and good boy. So, and is also like, I'm not telling Ruby your deal. She should talk to you. So Oliver is like, I might talk about him later. He is the greatest. 
He's just fantastic. He's the only boy that Sirsha has ever shifted. And he is also her enemy. Um, but also, I'm just like, you. he appears to be like your closest friend. But you keep saying that he is your enemy. And you stole his expensive... Like, she knows him. She... She goes to his house party at the start and she knows exactly where he keeps his expensive vodka. And he, like she, he keeps it at the top of the freezer and she steals his expensive vodka because he's a rich boy. And she knows where he keeps the keys to the back garden that no one is allowed to go into during house parties, which is how she meets Ruby in the garden. Um, officially, no one is allowed to go upstairs during the party, but she's like, I'm not waiting for the queue downstairs for the loo that's ridiculous so she sneaks upstairs and she finds him in the piano room or the the room upstairs with the piano uh where she always finds him at these parties and i'm like you can't be like i know so many things about oliver and oliver is my enemy yes you can that's the (laughs) ideal situation you're doing a really good job with this new format of just trying to convince me to read this book (laughs) When you're um, 16 and you've decided that one of your friends is your nemesis, that's valid. Um, and the reason that he is her nemesis is because she fancied a girl and he got with her. Um, and I'm just like, that's not... Oh my God, so many boys in my life would be my nemesis. This sounds so much more like a you and Oliver thing than a you and this girl thing. And I'm not implying that this girl is like sexual tension with Oliver, but I'm saying... This enemies thing is their relationship. It is not about this random girl. It is I, about you and Oliver. I was concerned that Oliver was going to turn around and be like, I fancy you at some point, but he never does. And it's fantastic. You um, can be a platonic nemesis. It's you can be a platonic fine. nemesis. Nobody tell Harry, Harry and Draco, but it can happen. Well, you can. The general you can. Harry and Draco could not. No, no. Um, so the fact that they do have this really nice summer, they do have this really nice time, but the fact that like Sirsha is keeping very important things about her life and the context of her life from Ruby, yes. Can I just check? So you said Ruby doesn't know the rules, mm-hmm. but Ruby knows that... Saoirse doesn't want to do a big romance or she do, she wants to do like a time specific thing. She doesn't want to commit. Yeah. So she knows that much, but she doesn't know anything else. She doesn't know anything else, but also like Saoirse isn't, do you know when you like date someone or you become friends with someone and like you tell them things about your life and how things are going in your life? Saoirse doesn't want to do any of that stuff. She wants to keep things like very surface level she doesn't want to tell her anything about her mom she doesn't want to tell her anything about her dad and like what's going on at home so and this can be my one nice thing so this can be one my one nice thing where i don't have to think about all of like the drama that's happening in my life and the fact that she has no friends um but also that also extends to like not asking ruby in-depth questions about herself so that she doesn't like have to do the back and forth like I'll ask you about your family and then you ask me about my family um that conversations go to and so that causes issues because Ruby is like do you really actually care like you never talk about anything serious when Mm -hmm. I ask you a serious question you make it into a joke um one of the things where this like 
really comes to a head is one of the things on their on their montage list is the scene in movies where no one wants to hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. So they've made a list. They've made a list of montage things, and they're like, we will. They just hang out sometimes, but they're like, we're going to do a date in which we do this specific thing at least once a week. Mm-hmm. And one of them is to like have that conversation where no one wants to hang up the phone. So they arrange a time and Sersha calls. They decide that it has to be done via landline for like auth- authenticity and things. So Sersha calls Ruby and while she's on the phone, her dad like comes into the room and is like, "Ooh, you're on the phone to Ruby. And then like shout invites Ruby for dinner. And Saoirse like tries a number of ways to get out of it, um, but ultimately can't. And it's just very stressful for Saoirse because along with not telling Ruby the context of like her mom being sick, she also hasn't told her that her dad is remarrying. Okay. To this woman called Beth, who is lovely and I think American. Oh. And it turns out that the dinner is going to be, Saoirse thinks it's just going to be herself, her dad and Ruby. And she's like, okay, I can get through this. And then like an hour beforehand, her dad is like, Beth is also coming. Like the table is set for four. So like, and she hasn't told Ruby any of this stuff. To quote from like one of my favorite TV shows ever. Mm-hmm. Being human, uh, three people can't have dinner together. That's barbaric. <laughs> so I support the dad in this. So she tries to cancel on Ruby like super last minute. Another time, like she's tried a few times to like cancel. She's like, oh, my dad's actually not going to be able to be here. And then Ruby's like, well, if your dad's not home, maybe we could hang out in your home. And she's like, oh, no, it, it can happen because like her dad will be there. Like, But when Ruby... When she finds out about that Beth's going to be there, she calls Ruby and is like, I'm very sick. I have diarrhea. And Ruby's like, diarrhea that makes you cough? And she's just like, um, yeah, no, but maybe we should reschedule. Um, and Ruby's just like, I'm standing outside your front door right now. <laughs> and she's standing outside the front door talking to Beth, who she doesn't know exists, mm-hmm. doesn't have the con, doesn't know her parents aren't together, mm-hmm. doesn't have any context for any of this. And is just like, listen, you clearly don't want me here. Maybe I should leave. And Saoirse's like, no, but I do want you here. It's just like a whole load of complicated stuff. Um, and the thing that makes this book so much better is that they are aware that they are doing like rom-com. And they're like, but we're not, we're doing it as lesbians. Because there mm-hmm. isn't enough rom-coms of women who like women falling in love. And so this is a quote. So, so Ruby says... How about next time you're nervous about something, you actually tell me the truth and we talk about it instead of making up, making up silly stories. Well, now, that wouldn't be very rom-com of me, would it? The guy always gets himself into stupid situations because he tells some ridiculous lie. If anything, I'm just really committing to our biz. You're not the guy, Ruby pointed out. That's the whole point. Neither of us is the guy. In the lesbian rom-com, we discuss all of our feelings until our throats dry up and our bodies shrivel. And I'm just like, yes, I needed this representation. That is, that is how it happens. Yeah, that's what happens in the lesbian rom-com. And that's why I think you should read this book. I guess you're trying to be spoiler free. Do you have questions? I do have questions. Does... Mm. 
See, I don't know how much I actually do have questions and how much I just kind of want to know what the complete story is because clearly I shouldn't know what the complete story is because I want to read this book. Mm, it sounds really good. It is really good. I want to know where exactly in Ireland it's set because I'm a culture. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I can talk in more detail about it. For context listener, Ethan and I are trying a new thing where we have shorter episodes and we just kind of convince the other person to read the book more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's more of a promote, not promotional, I guess it's just not an hour long book club for a book that you, the listener, haven't read. <laughs> or I haven't read even. Oh, I really like it. What I really, really like about it, it feels mm-hmm. very authentically teenage. And what feels very authentically teenage about it is... When I was a teenager, me and my friends loved silly movies. And even though we were like kind of getting serious as people and like growing up and considering our futures and stuff, we also did things like, let's just go cycle out to this lake a few miles away because it's fun. Like, let's also be childish. Let's also pretend like almost play pretend like let's watch this silly movie and let's make up a dance kind of thing like there is a mixture of being very childish and being very you know mature I guess and being a 17 year old deciding to commit to the bit of recreating like a montage is something very cute and something very authentically 17. And also something I think would be very difficult to do if they weren't two girls, because like I said, it really reminds me of that those friendship groups I was in where we would both, we would all just be like, let's do this silly thing. Let's like, you would do stuff just for the aesthetic. <laughs> like yeah. we're gonna pretend, we're gonna fall in love for a summer just for the aesthetic. Let's make a um, list. <laughs> yeah. Um... These are all just, yeah, I also remember being that age and just being like, let's just do it for the bit. Honestly, do it for the bit is something that I do now. So it is really fun to watch. The self is a performance piece. You've got to be your most authentic self. But it's very sweet. I can tell you a few of the things that they had on their list of montage bits. I'd like that. So because it was a summer montage, because there is a bit where they're like, uh, they always go ice skating and stuff. And Ruby's like, you're thinking of a Christmas montage. We're doing Mm -hmm. a summer romance. So they go to a fun fair and they go to the, go on the, 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 the fair. Big wheel. wheel, Which of course it being a montage breaks and they get stuck on us. My God, just like in Love, Simon. Yes. Um, So they also like point out which movies the, the bits are from. So fun fair days as seen as never been kissed and Love, Simon. Uh, one person teaches the other person a skill, as in say anything, imagine me and you. Karaoke. Yeah, yeah, imagine me and you. It's just, that is the one lesbian rom-com I could think of. And I actually don't love it conceptually because it is, um, one, it, it has the idea of love at first sight, which I think is not super great. And two, it's cheating. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there is a thing where because... Saoirse is a horror fan. She hasn't mm. watched any of these movies, but they do like... So she, so she also agrees that she will watch one of the movies 
in which the thing that they are doing is in for like at each date and stuff. So she mm-hmm. spends a lot of the a lot of the book watching various watching various rom-com movies during free time and she also just gives out about them a lot because mm-hmm. she's like these are she's like the movie itself is fine but oh my god like this is wrong like in never been kissed there's this whole thing about like this actual grown ass woman who's like 28 or 30 or something going back and pretending to be in high school she's and then the um, love interest is her teacher yeah and it's fine because she's an adult but he doesn't know that why is a teacher looking at a person who he thinks is not an adult it's Um, drew barrymore isn't it yeah, yeah, it is Drew Barrymore. I like, I like her. I love 90s Drew Barrymore, but that movie, I remember being like, don't they kiss like, no, am I spoiling the movie? Is it okay to spoil the movie? They like kiss on a baseball pitch in front of the whole school or something. Yeah. Like, I was not appropriate. Yeah. Like 22 Jump um, Street. And she, she texts uh, Oliver a lot during these things. Just like she's texting him and they'll like watch the movie together over text sometimes. Um, and in those scenes we just get their text messages mm-hmm. to each other which is really funny and also Oliver keeps changing his name in her phone and she's like how are you doing this so and then she changes his name and um, because he and they're, they're like they're like keeping up the mm-hmm. bit of not being like actual friends so when they watch 10 things about I hate about you his, his his name starts as international man of mystery and then she changes his name to zero zero gobshies good love this very good very good it's good one of the things that they have to do but is in so many movies that like it doesn't get its own movie is meaningful eye contact where they just have to hold eye contact for 20 seconds and they do that on the fun fair when the when it breaks down there's a lot of different kinds of meaningful eye contact because there's like there's the i'm staring deeply into your eyes because i love you so much and then there's the you're the person in the situation who I believe will agree with me because this thing is happening. And both of those are like a form of intimacy where like, if someone says something slightly ridiculous in like, oh God, I could definitely pick a fight about this, but I'm not gonna. And you turn to look to like your friend who you know completely agrees with you about this thing. That's a good meaningful eye contact. But I'm guessing that's not what they're going for because they don't know anything about each other. Yeah, no, they just, it's like their first official date and they just like stare deeply into each other's eyes and that's their meaningful eye contact. Um, There's performing a synchronized dance routine, which is different to the slow dance, which is also on the list. Both are Mm -hmm. on the list. So they have a lot of cute dates. Um, They do ultimately share their stories with each other a little bit. Um, Ruby tells her backstory, which... Sirsha responds with telling like the story of her dad and how her parents are divorced, but not the context of their parents' divorce because she still wants to keep her mom's dementia to herself and promises Ruby that there is nothing more in her backstory, which causes further problems mm. later on because not telling people... I believe that's colloquially referred to as lying. It is, it is. Um, but she's just like, a lot of it is just wanting to keep this thing fun and pure and not be like pressed upon by all of the other stuff that's happening in her life because like she's lying she's she does a lot of lying by omission Mm -hmm. so she applied to go to Oxford where both of her parents went to school um at separate times there's like 10 years between her mom and her dad 
he her being the older okay and a lot of her thing about going to oxford is that it would make her mom proud and now she's like but mom is so much worse and if i go to oxford like it doesn't it won't make any difference to mom if i go to oxford because it doesn't mean anything to her anymore um so she has this whole so what makes me happy and do i have to be like do i care more about honoring the memory of a woman who's technically still alive but diminished from who i used to know and used to care about this or do i be happy yeah um and ruby is taking a year out in order to help out with her family and Sirsha starts thinking about taking a year out because even though she's applied for colleges in Ireland she mostly just apply she doesn't really know what she wants to do going forward and a lot of that is just a lot of stress because of not communicating with people properly like she needs to have a conversation with her dad where she tells him she doesn't want to go to Oxford and the reasons why she doesn't want to go to Oxford which is partly because she's just like I want to be able to visit mom and I can't visit mm-hmm. mom if I'm in a different country. And so she's kind of thinking of like taking a year out. And she's also very stressed about perhaps taking her mom back out of care. Like she's like, mm-hmm. if we have, if I'm not in college and I'm home, then like I could care for mom. So then she wouldn't have to be in care. But her dad is like planning on remarrying and like moving house, like leaving the house that mm-hmm. they they all lived in together and like, moving in with his his new wife in a separate apartment and it must feel a lot like abandonment to have your mother to have your father say okay now we've neatly squared your mother away in this home and we're gonna I'm completely gonna destroy the life I've built with her even though she's still here and still needs me and still needs care yeah um and so she has a lot of anger for her father for that and they spend a lot of the books a lot of the book not talking about it so she will occasionally like Mm -hmm. blow up and shout at him but he doesn't want to like aggravate the situation or like engage in it really so he's just like what if I say this funny thing to break the tension instead of like dealing with the actual problems and she does call him out on that at the end she's like we need to actually talk about the things that we need to talk about because that's also what she does with Ruby though (laughs) yeah but Ruby calls her out on it and she has learned that She's grown as She's a person. She's grown as a person. Yeah. Um, and she also, like, her old friends call her out on that as well. And they're like, you didn't see it from my point of view. And she's like, no, but I also didn't want to see it from your point of view. I just wanted to see the hurt that I felt. Which is why I'm yeah. like, it's not so much as that she doesn't see things from other points. Like, she doesn't know that other people are people. It's that she wants to not see that other people are people. It's a little bit mountain goats. Mm. Um, it's the mountain goats. One of my favorite bands, and the American objectively bad to listen to, as most of my favorite bands are. They have a thing. Well, the guy who writes most of their songs is child abuse survivor, former addict, but has lived a long and relatively healthy adulthood at this point. So a lot of his music is about like I. I'm smart enough and like experienced enough to know that this is a self-destructive behavior, but God, I want to do it anyway. And like, like they have a song called Old College Try, which is about knowing that a relationship is doomed, but being like, it's doomed? 
but I'm going to keep going anyway because I'm enjoying it. And it's like, the signs are written on the wall. This is going to end badly, but I'm going to hold your hand and keep walking right till the end. Like, it's kind of that. Yeah. It's that dark, oh, I know better, but I don't want to know better because I'm hurt and I need to be able to express that some way. And I don't know how to do that healthily. Yeah, so. like... The primary way that this, like, you can see this throughout the book is her relationship with Beth, who she gives her dad, like, a really, really hard time about Beth and is, like, straight up just mean about Beth to, like, not about Beth so much as being, like, mean about the fact that his dad is, her dad is dating anyone at all to her dad. Mm -hmm. But whenever Beth is around, she is civil at worst to Beth and Mm -hmm. often ends up, like, volunteering to help with things that Beth needs help with because she's like it's not Beth's fault that my dad is terrible and like Mm -hmm. it's not Beth's fault that my mom is sick um Mm -hmm. so she's like I don't like Beth in theory but in like actual practice doesn't act out the the worst thing she does and it backfires on her is they keep trying to get her involved at the wedding and mm-hmm. she she suggests that they should have um, fairy dust. I'm guessing the wedding is scheduled for after the summer. It's the very end of the summer. Okay, cool. Um, and she suggests that they should have fairy dust as like a party favor for the kids, mm-hmm. which is just glitter that they then have to put into bottles. And she's just like, ha ha, mm-hmm. now they're going to be covered in glitter. And this is like, they think she's being really nice and helpful by suggesting this thing. But she's just like, ha ha, now I have covered the two of you in glitter. <laughs> in an evil manner how and evil going to be, how evil and the kids will obviously open the bottles and there's just going to be glitter mm-hmm. all over your wedding and it's going to be awful um and she thinks that this is pure that's evil that's great um but yeah biodegradable glitter and i'm happy with yeah. it so uh that was the falling in love montage that i really really think that you should read do you have any other how long did it take you to read it once you actually got your hands on it um i think i read it in about three days it's not that long yeah. um and it was also like really engaging so I kept like trying to put it down and being like no I'll go back to it but also I read a lot of things very fast so do we want to do highlights lowlights sidelights um sure my highlight was the relationship with Oliver which I thought was fantastic my it sounds exactly like the kind of thing I love my sidelights are two wedding related things one when she goes to taste cakes with her dad and in evidence of like how she is actively mean to him but nice to Beth she goes to taste cakes with her dad and they go to this like really hipster artsy fartsy place that's like doing really strange flavor combinations and all the cakes are awful but herself and her she's like really mean about it um but herself and her dad end up having like a competition to see who will break first in eating the terrible cakes. Mm-hmm. And then she ends up going wedding dress shopping with Beth because her father was supposed to, but missed due to a series of things, uh, wasn't able. And so she goes wedding shop dressing with Beth and the woman in the wedding shop is so bizarre, but also perfect in every way. And she's like, 
in her mid 60s and is just like okay what kind of dress do you want will you be where you're flat chested so do you want a dress will you be like will you be going flat or are you going to be wearing jelly tits like you need to tell me right now if you're going wearing jelly tits because if you're wearing jelly tits it changes the whole style of the dress and like there's no point in trying all these flats like these small boob dresses if you're going to be like jelly titting it up and she just keeps saying jelly tits um and and Saoirse just can't manage that at all. <laughs> I admire when a professional manages to say jelly tits yeah. in a professional um, environment. I think it's really admirable. And she also like clocks Saoirse as a lesbian within five seconds. Because when they're trying on the dresses and the, the dress woman is like, when you come come to me for your wedding dress, this is the style that you should have. And Saoirse's like, oh, I won't be getting married. And because again, she does not believe in, that love can last. Mm-hmm. Um, and the dress woman is just like, what? Lesbians can get married these days. What are you talking about? And she's just like, how did you know? And she's just like, girl, I know. <laughs> and she's That's like, so I've had women in here that should not have been marrying the men they were marrying. But you can't be telling them. They come to it later. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I love this woman. I love her. Yeah. This woman is my highlight. <laughs> um, this book sounds so fun. And then the lowlight is literally just the advertising because it was mm-hmm. super fun it was super fun but i honestly think that like sirsha's sirsha's home life is much more the book than the fun romance stuff that is happening that mm-hmm. almost feels like a secondary plot in some points um like the f- home the stuff that is happening at home is furthering the plot much more then the the romance is furthering the plot but the romance also like in order to forward a plot you need to have drama and things happening and they have agreed to have a drama free situation so Mm -hmm. part of it is that and a lot of like the issues that they have come from what's happening in Saoirse's home life and things but Mm -hmm. yeah I loved it I would highly recommend it to everyone it's it's a great book. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to reference it on further pods forever. Um, yeah, that's that's the deal. Great. That has been our first episode in our new format. I hope we managed to keep it relatively short. We've got a lot of stuff to cut out. Um, we will be back in two weeks. Our new schedule is that we are uploading every second Tuesday. So two weeks from today, we will be uploading an episode in which I attempt to convince Kira to read another queer book called The Space Between by Meg Grahan, which is a book I've yet to read. It is another romance between two girls and it is in verse and it will be fun trying to convince Kira to read it because I don't think Kira reads books in verse. No, Kira reads all books. Let's not be silly. Um, let me know what you guys think of the new format. Uh, let me know if you have any suggestions, if you've read this book and if you have any, um, thoughts on it. And particularly if you've got any recommendations for new books for us to try, we're trying to focus a lot more on Irish authors now. So we've got a few possibilities in the pipeline, but it's, they're, they tend to be a little bit more obscure, the Irish books. So let us know if you know anything good or anything terrible that you'd like to force us to read. You can lie about it. It's quality. If you'd like to get in contact with us about that, you can do that on Twitter at ForeverYAPod, on Instagram at ForeverYAPodcast. You can keep up with what books we're currently reading and we'll be reading soon on 
Goodreads at Forever Y at Goodreads forward slash Forever YA Pod. And if you really love what we do here, you can join our two patrons on Patreon um, on patreon.com forward slash Forever YA Pod. Uh, shout out to Sam and Christina, our two current patrons. And Kira, I believe you wanted to shout out the thank yous for this book. Oh, I texted Aoife and I told her that when we were doing this pod, she had to um, she had to remind me that I wanted to acknowledge the acknowledgements. And in particular, I wanted to acknowledge just the very the very final one, which is to the reader. And it says, finally, with utmost gratitude to anyone who has read this book, writing a book that no one reads feels kind of like talking to yourself. I mean, that's fine and all, but it's not the same as having a conversation with an actual human. So thanks for being an actual human. And I just want to thank Kira Smith for acknowledging that I am an actual human and for thanking me for being one. And it made me weirdly emotional when I read it. And that is why I wanted to um, shout it out. So there you go. Also, she thanks her dogs. Um, and she also thanks Harry Styles. Oh my God. <laughs> Sorry. Kira, happy to the coven. Thank you for the writing chats and Harry Styles appreciation. Okay. Love that. Excellent stuff. Um, I love the acknowledgement of sharing art as an act of like vulnerability, if not intimacy. Like she made a thing and you read it and you're both actual humans and you're both called Kira. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anything else to add or are we going to sign off? (laughs) No, we're going to sign off and we will talk to you all again in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Forever Young Adults A good podcast where we review books Here is your wife Questions to say for